Hello, you're listening to Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on Twitter. And uh, big news when we're rec- as we're as we were recording this next week, it's going to feel like old news. It's going to feel like it's always it's always been happening. It's always been a part of our lives, which it kind of has, but not in this fashion. Not in a in a definite form, which is so exciting to feel right now. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's like a texturized object that we're holding. And it's finally just here in front of us. I mean, literally, we can go to a web the the official Fox website. We can go to their press set, section. And there will be a little listing for the X-Files coming soon. Yes, the X-Files is back. Oh, my God. I have questions. <laughs> well, obviously, we all have lots of questions. Yes. But, I mean, the important thing, at least for me in this moment, which no one cares about because you've already experienced this, is just that it's happening. I mean, all these rumors that were coming out about it, and even the confirmation from David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson seemed almost too good to be true, seemed like something that could fall apart at any instant, and then the fact that it's official. actually official is just, I mean, it's shocking to me. I'm just so very surprised. I mean, it's its definitely, like, for, it was funny because people, when, when the news came out this morning, we're recording this uh, last Tuesday from your eyes, uh, gentle listener. When the news came out, I had a bunch of people being like, oh, God, someone check on Liz and see if she's had a heart, having a heart attack or something. And it was not at all the case for me. Like, I've, we've been... We, I was more upset that I had to drop everything I was doing and write it up immediately, because I actually had like on my in my plans a plan to th- sit down and like write something in preparation for this news because it was pretty much on the verge of happening as of like it was pretty on, much on the verge of happening as of like Sunday I think. But you see that would just that would feel too much like jinxing it to me, so That's, I would have never been able to put it into the CMS. Maybe like have something hidden away on my secondary computer or tablet or phone. <laughs> But, like, to have it in something as official as something that could be published on the site, I would have been worried. So yeah. I'm kind of glad it broke when it did, if only to see your, your pseudo-panicked reaction, but also because, you know, hey, it's official. It's going. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that's really interesting right now is waiting to find out, which we'll probably be, we will probably be waiting on this news for, like, a year or so, but waiting to find out kind of what form this takes. What we know now is that it's going to be a six-episode limited series, which is probably the best possible solution to the question of, uh, not the problem necessarily, but actually, no, the problem of making the X-Files feel like it fits in a modern television landscape. Because we are a long way away from, like, the 20, 24 episodes a year um, grueling fest that the show used to be. But a six-episode limited series, like, feels like it'll give the show a lot of room to breathe. It'll give the cast a little room to stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you wrote about this, you wrote an article when it was first happening, when those first rumors started to float out there about the things that they needed to make sure that they do to make this successful in the modern age. Right. And, I mean, obviously they've struggled with that when it comes to, you know, their last film, when it comes to their last few seasons even, to try to keep it up-to-date, current, informative, and close in some answers. So right. I think what a lot of people automatically are going to be looking for in this six part event series or whatever mm-hmm. they're going to end up calling it is going to be the answers but are you more curious to see I guess what are you most curious to see that they commit to before you know like that breaks next well I think tonally 
I really, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if they just returned to the show's really basic roots of, uh, you know, the paranoid conspiracy thriller. You know, it's not, it's not by coincidence that like one of the first major informant characters on the show is named Deep Throat. The whole thing is very much influenced by all the president's men and, uh, you know, government conspiracy um, theories and all that. That's, it's a whole, it's, it's something that the show drifted away from in the last, the last couple years of its life. But it's honestly, it was always one of the elements that really, really stuck with me when I was watching it as a wee lass back in the olden times in the old land. Good Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And I know that there's people out there who really pick a side between like Monster of the Week, conspiracy theories, like the different mm-hmm. forms the series would take on as it went through those lengthy 24 episodes a year. Um, but I was also, I was a big fan of the conspiracies. I was a big fan of the Monster of the Week. I really liked how they integrated both elements to it. But I do think that they'll probably have to make a choice now on which road they're going to go down. And what was interesting to me when they first made the announcement was how Chris Carter said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said that they were going to do six stories. Yeah. He, instead of saying that we're telling a new story or we're going to continue the story, he said we're doing six stories after committing to the fact that they're doing six episodes. So, are, I mean, to me, that hints at something that's more Monster of the Week, unless they're going to start playing around with, like, you know, timelines or, or you know, flash forwards or flashbacks. Like, I, I just, I don't know. But oh, my God, if there's a flashback episode, I will, I don't know how to handle it, but that'll be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn it down. Oh, man. Would not kick it out of bed for eating crackers. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and that's the thing, like, we're, we, you know, talking about the X-Files today, we've been breaking down, like, the fact that there are, like, five or six genres, essentially, of that show. Like, it, you know, it went to a lot of different places over the course of its run, and it, there are, there are a lot of different kinds of X-Files episodes, which is really exciting, and one of the reasons why I think the show re- remains so enduring. And only one of those types of episodes was ever really that awful, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting to me, too, is that since it's only six episodes, and since this has always been at least portrayed overall as a three-team, three-person team between Duchovny, Jillian Anderson, and Chris Carter... Do you think they're going to try to bring back any of the other writers to try to help out with this thing? Because, I mean, there's a lot of discrepancy out there over whether Chris Carter's screenplays, writing excerpt, whatever, whenever he contributes in that way, things kind of get a little How dare you? How dare you imply that Chris Carter's strengths may not be in specifically his screenwriting and his execution of story across many episodes of television. How dare you imply such a thing? I mean, at least he doesn't have to do many episodes of television, but do you think he could get away with six by himself? I will say that The X-Files has featured in a number of talented alumni, and it would be exciting to have them back. It would oh. be exciting to have Vince Gilligan back I'd on board. I'd love to see Vince Gilligan back. Yeah. What, you know, Better Call Saul probably writes itself, essentially, at this point. Well, hey, I mean, if the actors can do more than one series at a time, I don't know why the writers can't. Yeah, just take a weekend, Vince, sit down, bang out a script. I always really loved Vince Gilligan episodes. It was was actually, like, when I was first really watching television, uh, The X-Files was a show that kind of installed in me the knowledge that this wasn't something that just kind of existed. This was being created by people. Mm. And one of the reasons... I first picked up on that was because I would see Vince Gilligan's name in the writing as the writer of an episode at the beginning of a new episode, and I'd be like, I'm going to like this episode. It's written by this guy named Vince Gilligan. I bet he's going to go on to do interesting things with his career. Did not think the last part. 
just barely figuring out that <laughs> stuff gets written for, for the screen. No, I'm pretty sure that I, I remember uh, seeing a document that you laid out that said specifically, Vince Gilligan will create the greatest television show of all time, not called Friday Night Lights or <laughs> Friends. Or Friends. Or The Wire, or a lot of things, but yes. you get the point. Yes. Uh, oh, Breaking Bad. Uh, which would not have existed without the X-Files, uh, sure. because, or certainly would not have existed with Brian Cranston in the lead role, because... Brian Cranston was not in consideration for Walter White until Vince Gilligan told AMC, hey, check out this X-Files episode I did with Vince, with Brian Cranston. He's not just the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. He's got a lot in him. And to me, this, this speaks to one of the biggest issues that's going to be facing this six-part series whenever we see it, hopefully in 2016. Mm-hmm. But the expectations are going to be huge, considering not only who came from it, and what they've done since then, and who could be involved with it, and, uh, I mean, obviously just the general fan excitement, but, I mean, for Fox, for that network, this used to be a staple. This used to pull in 20 million-plus people, So, and, and that's a completely different, you know, world than we're living in now. They can't expect that kind of ratings, but what they expect from it as of now as opposed to what they actually get out of it, I mean, that's going to be very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, it's not going to do $20 million, but it's not, you know, it's that's not the age we live in anyway, so. Right. I don't know. It's going to, I feel like the more, this is going to be one where every detail is going to be poured over endlessly, in part, including me. I'm going to be, you know, like, if the second that they release the name of a director of an episode, I'll be looking that guy up on IMDb. Or yeah. girl, Michelle McLaren actually, uh, now now future director of Wonder Woman. Her first episode of television she ever directed was The X Files. Yeah, this this will definitely be getting the True Detective treatment when it comes to every little announcement, every set photo, every uh, rumor that comes out is going to get the treatment. And I mean that's the same when it comes down to the show being released. It's going to be scrutinized to the to the minute, to yeah. the second, to the scene. I mean everything's going to get. Put under the microscope, and even more so if there's only six of them. I mean, if there's only six hours of television, that only that limits the amount of time that that people can that people have to analyze, and then they're just going to pour over it again and again and again. And again, expectations are a huge thing. I I think expectations are going to hurt the next season of True Detective. I don't think it'll be as good as the first. I think it's going to lead to a lot of people being disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to say it's the same case for the X Files because this has been such a long break, and we have no real information about it as of yet but I mean they're going to be high this is Duchovny and Anderson this yep. is a big deal hopefully in the same room for most scenes absolutely Who and hopefully we find out you know whether or not maybe they're married or you know <laughs> at least something to do <laughs> with their just, relationship I just I don't care what it is anymore I don't need they could they could just be really close friends who don't like each other in the bedroom that much I don't care <laughs> just tell me what it is tell yeah. me I, I, I respect the whole resisting of labels culture, that's fine, but I mean, for our own satisfaction, at least give us an idea of where they're going to be in the future. Don't just leave them drifting off on a boat in the middle of nowhere. What you, they literally did. They literally did that. I'm that's tough. Wow. This is more passionate, I think, we've been, than we've been in th- all the rest of these podcasts. Well, I think we hinted at this at some point, so listeners should at least be prepared that when the X-Files comes up, things get a little intense. Yes. Uh, we may have a sign in the office dedicated to tracking how often we've mentioned the X-Files. It either is set at, it has been zero days, or it has been too many days. Absolutely. We, tra- we changed it to zero today. That was exciting. That's always exciting. That's always a good day. 
Uh, so, but the other thing that's really interesting about this X Files news is, of course, that it involves two actors who are stars on another network this summer. Absolutely, and it's it's one of the things we've been tracking in the very you know deliberate personal hope that NBC will bring both Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny to their press day, and maybe we'll get to meet them and talk to them and provide you all with wonderful interviews. But they're going to be in Aquarius, uh, David Duchovny starring in Aquarius, the new serial killer drama about the Manson murders. Yep. And Gillian uh, Anderson is joining Hannibal as That's a s- series regular. Which is, a, three. yeah, I mean, essentially last, in season two, she's appear- she appears in, I believe, two, three episodes maybe, because of her commitment to a million other television shows, yeah. including Crisis, including NBC's Crisis. Not anymore. Oh, at Crisis. But it kind of brings up a, the, the the thing about looking at NBC's upcoming drama slate is brings up this really interesting question about where the network is and what it's trying to do because so many NBC has created such a weird run of shows of and the like the one that's really haunting me right now because it's um, scattered across billboards all over Los Angeles is the show that used to be called Odyssey which was kind of when it when I initially watched the pilot back last summer uh, for TCAs, it was originally kind of like this like very homeland esque uh, you know drama scattered across many parts of the world. And one major facet of it was this uh, female soldier played by Anna Anna Friel, I believe, who was trying to it was you know presumed dead and was trying to get back home. Now they've completely changed. They've, but now now in this day and age, we've completely changed uh, the marketing strategy. To, it's now called Amer- American Odyssey. And now the billboard, instead of like kind of hinting at what is actually an ensemble drama, it is all about her. And I wonder why that could be. I wonder if there's <laughs> any particular reason. Ben, can you think of a reason why they would change it to be about one soldier and then put American at the front? I mean, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That really didn't work at all for Warner Brothers and American Sniper. I mean, it, it got, what, six Oscar nominations, $330 million domestically. God, yeah. Movie Only 330 It might have been more, but it was the number one movie of last year, which is, uh, I mean, that's fine, I guess, but it's nothing. Nothing, nothing to write home about. Nothing that would affect television. Yeah. I mean, it's such a transparent strategy that it's almost... I mean, the NBC has not officially commented on why they did it, but they don't need to. That billboard says it all. Well, what struck me when I was watching the previews for it, uh, more recently even, was that it reminded me a lot of State of Affairs. Not necessarily the same kind of show, because this is clearly its own story as opposed to State of Affairs, which was clearly a ripoff of Homeland. But they're marketing it in a similar way, they're pushing it in a similar way, but now they also have to be in a somewhat of a panic since State of Affairs failed. So they're going to need to find, they must have thought that they needed to find a better hook for it, mm-hmm. hence changing the title, hence changing the strategy. So now they're trying to apply this American Sniper demographic appeal. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to work. Like I don't think this is a good idea. But, I mean, you got to try something. You know, I will say, in retrospect, and the more we talk about it, I'm actually, like, more interested in the show now from a marketing... Like, that marketing works better on me now than the, what the, whatever the original marketing was. Because 
Well, you the know? original marketing, at least for anyone in Los Angeles, and I'm sure a few other places, were those obscure billboards that said hashtag Odell Lives with O-D-E-L-L-E Lives. Oh, yeah. And you had to go online to try to figure out what it was. And I I did have a number of people come up to me and ask, what the heck is this thing? They didn't even bother to Google it, but mm-hmm. they, they wanted to know what it was. And I don't necessarily think that means it works. I think that means that they're annoyed by the advertisements that are coming mm-hmm. up around the city. Right. But you're right. I mean, this is this is the crunch time for them. They need to make awareness for this show now, and this is what they're betting on. I mean, what I like about it is that it's actually, like, it's a personal, it's a personal individual story. Which I don't think you get enough from television sometimes. I feel like a lot of times, like, we make, like, TV tries to sell us on, like, big concepts and, like, you know, important thing you must watch. And it kind of undercuts the idea that sometimes a really intimately told personal story does really well. Um, I am not watching Looking, but I know that that show has really connected with pe- a lot of people because it's about, it's, it's, it's just, you know, intimate in a way that television can be that films often can't. It'll be interesting with, with that angle of it, especially if it works out throughout the series, that it is a, a very personal story and it's about this very particular individual, is that most dramas, especially you know hour-long dramas on TV, they need the B and C stories to carry them through to meet their 42-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Like, if this is one that's focused very much on this one woman and is at least heavily dependent on that storyline and following her for a you know seamless amount of time that could be very interesting that could be something that's that's fun to watch and that could be something that would set it apart from the other stuff that's out there so i mean we'll see what happens i mean i will say my memory of the pilot's a little weak but her storyline is not the only one only major one there are a number and yet it is the one i remember most clearly like, it, it is the most interesting of them, probably. It's a good sign. And, I mean, NBC, from from my perspective, going back to what you said about what they were trying to do and what their their strategy is this, these days, I think they're obviously distancing them themselves in the comedy realm from what they were. They're right. not trying to recreate The Office. They're not trying to find another 30 Rock. They're not being the daring critical favorites in that world because they've kind of been proven that that doesn't work for broadcast TV. But at the same time, they haven't completely just given up and started putting on CBS-type comedies that are just broad, generic rip-offs of things that have come before. They have done a few of them, but they haven't quite succeeded to that level. So I, I think they're really trying to figure out exactly who they are right now, and these different dramas that they're releasing from from American Odyssey to the sequel to the Bible, AD, the Bible Continues, to even, uh, you know, another uh, rebooted series, Heroes Reborn. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely trying to figure out what people want and what their branding is in a time when they're having some success with The Voice and Blacklist and NBC Sunday Night Football. I mean, not in the spring, but overall. So they've got a little bit of leeway to make make some attempts to make some new tries and, and see what they come up with. Yeah, there's there are two different shows I can think of, The Night Shift and mm. Un, Und, Undateable, which both were, you know, I, I've talked to people involved with both shows, and in both cases, they were like, NBC is putting us behind the voice. That means they believe in us. And, like, it, it, you know, NBC trying to really launch shows and really try to build audiences for them and build audiences for pre-existing shows. Like, both those shows 
were summer series and not odds favorites to get a season two, but both of them made it back. And in, in arguably a more competitive uh, time of the year. And our are not actually doing too badly, I think. They're holding steady at least. Yeah, they're doing they're doing well. And those are the the night shift is a very good example of kind of the old NBC brand when it comes to ER. Oh yeah, it's, it's such an ER. It's it's such a, it's such in the tradition of ER. Right. And undateable comes from Bill Lawrence who created Scrubs. So right. I mean that you can you can argue that there's a lot of old school mentality in those decisions. And it's almost like kind of a safety net for them because those things, they do perform well. Mm. They do draw on enough of an audience to give you time to try out some new things, including uh, event series, including reboots, including uh, just new angles on new series. So I don't, I don't feel like I know the NBC brand as well as I did in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see kind of where it ends up. For you, where does multi-camera fit into that? Because that is the one the one thing that seems really clear about their branding is they really are pushing towards multi-camera again. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to incorporate it because they didn't give up entirely on single camera right away. Their last two big comedies in the in for last season were A to Z and Bad Judge, which both failed spectacularly, but they aren't giving up on that idea that those things can work and that that's what people want to see, especially in a day when a lot of their viewership comes online or comes from from people who are actually seeking out a specific show and not on a specific time, which is, I think, what our generation wants. So I'll be interested to see what they do. I know they're working on a multicam with Jason Kadams, who created Friday Night Lights and is working on About a Boy, another show on NBC, which is kind of on the fence for cancellation, but has earned two seasons and has done very well for them. So, well, not very well for them, but well enough. Well, I feel like there's something, this is a much broader topic that I've, I've seen floated around, around a little bit, which is the idea that we're in this new age where a lot more shows are getting a season two. Not a season three necessarily, but they're getting a second season to kind of prove their ability to grow. Sure. And that seems to be a, a, much, a, a pretty common trend in general, but which is why something like about a boy got a second season but may not get a third right yeah i mean they have to they're almost trying to play off of the idea of the netflix model where if we can put it out on on our airwaves for the first season see what happens and it doesn't take if there's enough interest there or we had enough belief in it then let's see what happens when we try to build an audience digitally when we Mm -hmm. release it on netflix or hulu or whatever where people can get to it and binge watch it before season two comes along to see if there's a viewership spike and I mean, in the cable world, we're seeing that applied even further, where people are, or where the executives are ordering two seasons at a time, mm-hmm. which has become a huge trend, just to kind of validate not only their belief in the project, but also to viewers or prospective viewers that this show is going to be around. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it getting canceled. You've got at least two seasons worth. You can tune in. We're not just going to go away all of a sudden, which is, I mean, honestly, a big complaint. I've heard, I've heard that complaint over the last three years more than anything else when it comes to broadcast TV is that people are worried to start watching something if they think it's just going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it can be. I mean, after three or four episodes, it could just be gone. I mean, this is an example I quote all the time at this point. Ben is probably sick of me mentioning it, but, it, you know, the night shift when it got renewed for season two, it got renewed for season two like three weeks into its run last summer. Its ratings went up like by 25% or something because it, you know, people were like, oh, okay, this show's not getting canceled. It was like a really great moment of good press for them is the fact that they're getting renewed and it ended up bringing in viewership. Absolutely. Uh, People are paying attention to these things more now than ever. I mean, 
you're never. I was going to say that you want to get, you want you that we don't get a lot of page views for the stuff when we put out that yeah. season was renewed, but we get a lot of social media traffic for it. Um, like so, people do pay attention to that. But anyway, um, people pay attention, but they don't necessarily. They come to us for exciting, groundbreaking coverage, right? Not yeah. news bursts. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely want to know when their season gets picked up. I know, I was. <laughs> everyone knows how excited I was when the leftovers got picked up. It was very. You were very excited. And, and you weren't there. That was I had to write that up for you. God, I was on the drive-in. Yeah, but was it was, tough. I mean, we all have those moments, and it's always really exciting when your favorite gets renewed. It's, you know, because, you know, you do get invested in shows at a certain point, and, you know, certainly, certainly um, the reaction over the X-Files today definitely cements that idea. Yeah, I mean, there really is that kind of passion that people have, and you can get it pretty early on with a show. If you're excited about a show... You can get attached to it in the first few episodes and really be upset when it's going away. It doesn't take seven years or, you know, in X-Files case, nine seasons to, to just end. Mm-hmm. And then you're devastated. I mean, it could end after one or two and you could be sitting there writing letters to whoever to try to get it back on the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how, were, how did you feel? I mean, how did you feel at the end of True Detective season one? Like, Well, with True Detective, I felt very good I felt validated just because it was it was that was all it was supposed to be mm-hmm. um, I knew that McConaughey wasn't going to be coming back for a second season I knew that Woody Harrelson wasn't going to be reprising that same role and going off on some spin-off. so I was I mean that was something where I was well prepared mm-hmm. for that just to be the end of it but I mean, yeah, The Leftovers is probably the most excited I've been in a long time for a season two renewal. Even though Togetherness, when that got season two, that was a big deal as well. Because, that was great. Uh, that, that ends on a cliffhanger, and that's oh. not something you want to be the last image in your head when you think about a show that you really, really loved. But I'm sure that like HBO now thinks about it like it's not just like the last image of a show. It's like that's going to... Togetherness will, in theory, live forever in HBO Go. New audiences will find it, and then they'll hit the end and be like, really? This is the ending? Yeah, especially now that HBO Now is happening. Oh, yeah. More audiences will be finding it, and even more people will be just randomly selecting whatever they can find on the app. It's that guy from the League. I'll watch this television program. (laughs) Oh, man, they would be in for a a surprise (laughs) if if League fans tuned over to Togetherness. Not that there's anything wrong with the League. I love the League. Yeah. Uh, it taught me how fantasy football works. Which is the most important thing that any TV show can do. Indeed. So, uh, to f- wrap things up, uh, last thing you watched that you really loved, next thing you're looking forward to? Um, I've been watching Third Rock from the Sun again since it popped up on Netflix. Wow! I always had a soft spot for that show when it was on the air, and I remember watching random episodes when it was in syndication um, as well. And I, I, I honestly really enjoy each one of the actors but what's interesting to me about its appearance on netflix mm-hmm. is that one there's another ratio or aspect ratio is, issue uh. where especially the first season is chopped up in a very strange form where sometimes heads are lopped off and then people are looking at people through strange angles and you can't quite tell who's talking to you very strange presentation but also it doesn't work as well to binge if you if i watched about four or five in a row the shtick of these these are aliens in human form coming to earth and they don't understand our customs if 
unless those puns are very carefully placed or the verbiage that they use is perfectly worded, eventually that kind of gets old because, again, they're doing 20, 24 episodes a season, and that was a lot more work than we're used to, so some of the highs aren't as high as, or consistently as high as normal. But otherwise, it's it's very enjoyable. I do recommend it. <laughs> this shows their rock from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> this, this one show with John Lithgow that... He doesn't murder a bunch of people and then leave someone in a bathtub bloody. What show was that? That's Dexter. Oh, that's right. Dexter. Um, For me, I kind of by accident watched all of the season of Girls. I've never been a huge Girls fan, and I, I, I still wouldn't consider myself like a massive Girls fan. That is crossing his arms in a very defensive, very angry fashion right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say angry. I'd just say. I'd just say I'm shielding off any love for girls that might be coming my way. You know, I think the thing with girls, and I, I need to figure out if I if I want to really articulate this at some point. But I feel like I really started liking girls when I embraced the idea that we are not supposed to think that these people are smart and making the right choices. For the, to, so to some extent, I think like the, the the thing about girls is they are very aware. The, the creators of the show are very aware of how they sound, and that line is so weird and hard to balance. But I like the finale, and I continue. I continuously liked the show um, the whole time I watched it. Well, I mean, I'm I'm very glad that you liked the show. Also, I, also Andrew Rannells is amazing. I've heard this as well, and I agree with what I've seen of him. I think I think a lot of the actors on the show are very admirable. Um, the tone always upset me. I, I I never through three seasons of watching it, I never felt like they hit that line of of self awareness mixed with criticism. I always thought that they were far too forgiving of the people that they were portraying. Interesting. No, I mean it's it's fair, and I, again, this is I actually kind of haven't watched seasons two and three, so I, maybe maybe season four was course correction. I should look into that. Well, I mean they went to Iowa, and Iowa is one of the greatest places in the world. So clearly, if they actually did that, it had to do nothing but help them. It didn't last that long. Damn it! But they were in Iowa. It looked Iowa-y. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to use this opportunity also to segue using Andrew Randall's as a segue. Uh, to what I'm looking forward to the most is The Comedians, uh, which is launching in a couple weeks on FX. And it's not so much that I'm looking forward to watching it because I've actually seen a few episodes already, but I'm looking forward to seeing what people think because it's a really interesting show in terms of how it's executing the reality, you know, like the the heightened personas of Billy Crystal and Josh Gad, who are allegedly playing themselves, except not really, um within the context of the show and seeing how people respond to it is going to be really interesting especially in the case of Billy Crystal who is such an iconic character an iconic figure in pop culture for decades now like seeing like seeing how my mom reacts yeah. to, to him on the comedians is going to be interesting I couldn't agree more I think that Billy Crystal doing a meta television show is one of the most interesting things to come about this year. No matter how well or poorly it does, or no matter how great or terrible the reviews are, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm looking forward to that one as well. I'm glad that you pointed it out. I've I'm a big fan of episodes on Showtime, which is Matt LeBlanc playing a different version of Matt LeBlanc. Right. And I like that kind of dynamic. It's interesting to me when they do it right and they're not too self-indulgent. So that should be. Should be fun to check up on. Yeah, what's interesting about the comedians is that they screened at South by, 
and they screened episodes one and three, which kind of caught me off guard, like because mm. especially because like episode three made very clear reference to certain elements of that, certain things that happened in episode two, which I picked up by context actually. Um, but then about halfway through episode three, they hit this amazing sequence of events that I won't I don't want to spoil. Uh, let's just say it takes place in a grocery store, and it goes on for like ten minutes. And it's hilarious. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's the it's the th- it's the thing that really sold me on the show. Like I liked the pilot. I liked part. I didn't finish watching episode two, not through no, no fault of its own. I just got had to run. But episode three is the show episode that really sold me on the series. Well, clearly they knew what they were doing when they chose to screen it at South by. That's that's what I'm saying. There you go. So, so what about um, you? I am I am most excited for another HBO comedy that is often overlooked in comparison to Girls, which is Veep. Um, hailed by critics, adored by the Emmys, Veep still doesn't pull in that many viewers, and I beg of all of you to watch it because you can't top this comedy. It's, it's been wonderful. the best comedy on the air for the last two years, and and maybe three. I'd, I'd have to go back, but. But it's it's truly great, truly funny. They're adding uh, Hugh Laurie this season, who is oh very my god, good. I, I'd forgotten about that. That's that's right, and that's amazing. Underrated comedian, even when he was on House, the the funnier moments were always some of the best ones. And I'm very excited to see how he mixes with this group of people who are always just perfectly put together. Oh yeah, the blocking of this show, as well as the the just the banter back and forth, is so well executed. I can't believe they're able to get, you know, 10 to 12 episodes done every year. I mean, it's just amazing to me. But, but yeah, Veep is absolutely what I'm looking forward to, which will come out. It's the same day as Game of Thrones, right? The 12th? Yeah, it's all part of their launch. Yeah. That'll be great. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. As always, you can go to IndieWire.com for more of our tele- for all of our television writings and musings. And including weekly weekly reviews of your favorite shows, and maybe one or two reviews of your not favorite shows, but you should check them out anyway. Yeah, girls, girls, we we covered that show, <laughs> and it was fun. Uh, and thank you to our studio audience, which has been for quietly listening and and or listening to their headphones while we record this. Nah, Shipper's been spying. and she gave me a thumbs up when you were when I was talking bad about girls. <laughs> She's nodding now. Ah, <laughs> uh, Shipra. Um, and uh, let's see. You can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Lizlet on Twitter. That's Liz with an I and Let with an E. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll be back next week and or two weeks from now. Who knows what time is anymore? It's just a flat circle. It's just a flat circle. Keep watching television.